Good morning. We are in part four of Resolved Better Choices, Better Life, and today's uh, resolution is I am kind. We're going to be taking a look at how to be kind. I want to jump right in with a question. Why is it that we are not always as kind as we would like to be? Why is it that we are not always as kind as we like to be? I mean, the reality is, is there anybody here that does not want to be kind? We all would like to be kind people. We see ourselves as kind people. We want to be kind people. But we all know that there are times when we are not as kind as we'd like to be. So we're going to jump right in. Here's point number one. Don't confuse symptoms for root causes. Don't confuse symptoms for root causes. I can be unkind when I'm too busy. Anybody relate? I can be unkind when I'm stressed. Anybody relate? All right, one of you. (laughs) Anybody else? All right, stressed out, it's just I can be unkind. I can be unkind when somebody is unkind to me. Ooh, we got a lot of you there. And I can be really unkind when somebody's unkind to somebody close to me. Ooh, 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 yeah. Those are just symptoms. The root goes much, much deeper than that. Um, I'm not being unkind because of someone else. I'm not being unkind because of some circumstance. I'm being kind because my heart is calloused or hardened. That's why I'm being kind, unkind. And yet today's good news is how on the screen, God is in control and can soften the hardest hearts. God is in control and can soften the hardest hearts. So here's another way to put it. God is in control and he can soften even my heart. Uh, He's able to work on the unkindness even the blindness to my own kindness and the callousness where I didn't even know I was unkind, he's able to work on that, and that's good news. Now, there's a catch, there's an easy way, uh, and there's a hard way that God will do this. The easy way is when we're cooperating with him. The hard way is when we're not cooperating with him. We're resisting what he's trying to do. And so we're going to see that today out of the book of Daniel. We back up in time. We've been for the last couple of weeks in chapter 6 and and move forward and go back to that first pagan king that we encountered, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar today, and learn how God was able to soften even his hard heart. We're going to be looking at that today. But before we get there, I want to just talk about um, how, well, I'd like to just kind of say, if empathy was an antenna that would tune in the spiritual frequency to where I could be a very powerfully empathetic person. Now, if you don't know what empathy is, empathy is when I'm able to understand and feel with you your feelings. If I understand your feelings and feel with you your feelings, I'm being empathetic. And if there was, I had this antenna that was tuning into that, um, my antenna would be really, really tiny, okay? 
I don't have this huge antenna that, that is really good at that, that tunes into this empathy mode where I just really naturally understand where you're coming from and feel what you're feeling. And, and the reason for that is I have this other antenna and this other antenna... Um, this other antenna that I have is called the, I'm going to call it my antenna for my drive for success. And, and it takes two hands for me to get this thing to bring in that, that frequency so that I can have that drive for success working for me. And so when I have this, this other antenna just, I, I can't do two at once very good. And this thing just drops out of the way because this is the one. I've got this drive for success thing that's always going. And so when it's always going, I am living in my head, constantly thinking through how do I succeed, how do I make it better, how do I do this, how do I do that, and it's just always living there. So much so that the frequency of anybody else's feelings or even their voices are like far, far away. And what's so loud is I got, if it was a radio frequency, I just got tuned in. My drive for success has got all the thoughts just happening to me all the time. And these little voices saying, Papa, 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 never even register. And their parents who've been through this before go, he's not hearing you. Say it louder. Because it's like not getting through. I've got the wrong antenna on. And they have to be kind of coach to get my attention, move around, get in front of his face, say something. Can I be really f frank with you? Literally? I was frank for a really long time. Here's the story. I was at my computer and I was just doing my thing like I usually do and I'm in my head and I've got the drive to success really working for me. And my wife was trying to get my attention. And she would use my name, Jim. And I'm going, Jim. Jim. I never even heard her. She said, Frank. <laughs> and who's Frank? What are, what are you saying? I began to be called Frank for a long time after that. So much so that it became a term of endearment. She even wrote love notes to Frank. And... <laughs> I'm happy to let you know that that long time is a time I fondly recall a long time ago, but I still have this really big drive-to-succeed antenna, which I know better because that frequency, drive-to-succeed, is not in the top two commandments according to Jesus. His commandment in terms of top two is love God and love people, and my drive to succeed antenna is tuning out people, there's something wrong with that. And my stress is tuning out people, and my agenda is tuning out people, there's something wrong with that. So God is, is still working on me, and I really hope that I can do the easy way rather than the hard way. And so I work at trying to let him tune my heart so that he doesn't have to increase the pressure for me to learn the hard way. And so I'm hoping that you can relate to that a little bit. Now, my problem is exacerbated now because I have a hearing loss. <laughs> In the little tiny voices, it's even harder. But let me just 
be really honest with you, I don't have a hearing problem. I have a habit problem. Okay? So God is working to help me tune into a better frequency. I frequently live in the wrong mindset. It's not the mindset of Jesus. Think about that. I'm in my mind. I've got a mindset going. Maybe you do too. And I'm living in the wrong mindset. It's not the mindset of Jesus because the mindset of Jesus, he's constantly in the spiritual frequency of his heart tuned into loving God and people and not the wrong definition of success by the way of ambition. I feel convicted. Let's pray and go home and call it a day and ask God to help. That's what we'll end up today, by the way. And he is really good at helping us when we do that. On the screen is the next quote. When your values are clear, your decisions are easier. So when your values are clear that God values loving him relationally with all your heart and loving people relationally, that that is actually combined as the most important command. He uses, he uses them together as the most important command. So much so that Paul even said, you want to obey the whole law? Love your neighbor. So it it's all comes together. That's the most important. And so when your values are clear, your decisions are easier. For example, here's a positive example. I'll point to somebody else. Um, a woman is late for work. Let's picture her in an apartment. She's, I mean, she's really late. and She's stressed about it. She gets out the door, and she's carrying her stuff. She's making her way down to, to the car, and she finally gets to the bottom, and then some guy is on his way up, an older guy. She's, she knows him. He's, he's a neighbor. He's barely able to carry his stuff, and she stops and helps carry the stuff all the way back up to his apartment. When your values are clear, your decisions are easy, Better for her to be late to work than not help this gentleman. She has this empathy antenna working for her. That's the kind of person I'd like to be. Because it's more valuable to be kind than for me to succeed according to selfish ambition. Now, are we ready to see how God is able to change the hardest of hearts We're going to use King Nebuchadnezzar as the hardest of hearts person to see how God can change even his heart. Um, And we're going to be in Daniel chapter 4. And we're also going to, I'm going to have you look for, he he could have him change the easy way or he could have him change the hard way. I want you to listen for that. And Unlike what I've been doing, we're going to read a lot of text because it's well told. And by the time we hear it, the first go around and the, then the interpretation and we keep, keep hearing it, it kind of explains itself. So here we go. First of all, don't confuse symptoms for root causes. Point number two, the root cause of unkindness is pride. The root cause of unkindness is pride. We'll jump into Daniel 4.4. Let me say this clearly, just in case you don't catch it. You need to listen right now. Nebuchadnezzar is not 
a believer in the one true God. He's a pagan king. He believes in many, many gods. And so when he ascribes some worth to the God of Daniel, he fits the God of Daniel into his scheme of many, many gods. Well, this is a really great God. I'm not sure that he was ever saved. Maybe he was, but he says some things that are amazing about the God that we serve and love, which is the one true God. It's interesting that Daniel 4 is his story. If you start from the very, very top, Nebuchadnezzar is writing his story, and we're jumping into it. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. All right, so which antenna runs his life? Okay, he's got power. He's known far and wide as the most powerful man on earth. Many, many kingdoms are under his kingdom, okay? And he's feeling pretty good about it. And so he's got the antenna of success is way long for him as well. But God can change the hardest of hearts. Let's keep reading. I had a dream, this verse 5, that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. As you recall, he did this once before, early in the book, right? And this time, he does something different. That time, he said, no, you're going to have to tell me the dream. This time, he's willing to tell the dream. Okay, let's keep listening. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God. How would you like to be a monotheist and have the most powerful man in the world ascribe a name to you that you just don't like, that stands for everything that you don't stand for, but that's what he called him? after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him, I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here's my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed... I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. All right, so this dream just shifted. It's still in his dream that a holy one from heaven is now speaking to him. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but let the stump and its roots Bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals. Did you notice we now calling the tree him? Interesting. Bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal." till seven times pass by for him. The decision is, is announced by the messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know 
that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. Now, this is really fascinating to me because he is saying this to the king that conquered his land. He's saying this to the king that conquered his nation. He's saying this to the king that commanded his soldiers to march them out as exiles and hold them captive. But this king has become his friend. And Daniel has been very, very kind to his friend, and continues to serve this king. So notice the empathy antenna. Very strong on Daniel. And notice that he's so kind, and he speaks so gently with grace and truth. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. Which verse am I at? I just lost myself. Somewhere around 20... You are the, I found it. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extend to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze and the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Can you say that with me? When you acknowledge that heaven rules, therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Here's the advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Now, just in case you haven't seen it, that's my hinge point. That's the bullseye for today's message. 
I am kind. The answer to the unkindness of the king is he's got a pride problem and he needs to acknowledge that God is king of all. And the answer is that he needs to repent and begin to be kind to the oppressed because he's been using his power over the oppressed peoples. No empathy there. They're little pawns to make his kingdom great. And he needs to repent and be kind to the oppressed peoples. But let's not hear it for him. Let's hear it for ourselves. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Point number one was don't confuse symptoms for root causes. Point number two is the root cause of unkindness is pride. And point number three is turning from pride requires humility. What is humility? Someone once said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Can you say that with me? Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. Why? Because you're thinking about God and others more. Let that sink in. Here are some examples of that. You got a a neighbor who knows another neighbor. And he happens to find out that one particular neighbor is really struggling to actually have enough food. And so this neighbor anonymously has been leaving grocery bags at the door to preserve this man's dignity and to meet his needs. But please understand that he's not doing it to puff himself up. He's doing it the way Jesus says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Don't do it so that others see it. Just do it to be kind. And it's costly to him because it's part of his food budget, part of his expenses, and he's not wealthy, but he's kind, and he's helping his neighbor. Let's bring it down to a student level. You're at a lunch table. There's a kid that everybody recognizes, a kid that just doesn't quite fit in can't quite find a group to fit in or be with. Wouldn't it be cool if, and this has happened, and this is that story, a person that loves God is learning to love others and think less about themselves and more about others, invites this kid to join him with his friends. This is a positive example of humility and being kind because pride is not getting in the way. They didn't care what the others thought of associating with the person that was marginalized by others. Now we need to ask ourselves, did King Nebuchadnezzar listen to Daniel's advice? Let's find out. Verse 29, 12 months later as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon... Okay, 12 months have gone by. Yet this horrible nightmare, it's been interpreted. Nothing has happened for 12 months. Nothing has happened for 12 months. He said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? 
Now, we may not be so bold, but we often view our own successes as if we did it ourselves. There is not a success that any one of us can pull off without God's help because he gave us our strength, he gave us our mind, he gave us our ability, he gave us our uh, thoughts, he gave us our team, he gave us whatever it is that pulls off that success. And if you say, by my might and by my majesty, look at me, God is just, it's like us leaning against his little toe and says, where is God in this success? And God just goes, oh, 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 you know. (laughs) God wouldn't be doing that. He, He does something more like what we're seeing here for helping somebody. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him for who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Hard heart, so hard that God drove him insane for a period of seven years, most scholars agree. These seven times were seven years. And he was such a powerful man that they just kind of, Put him on hold and just let him do his thing because uh, he's still the king. And after he came to his senses, he acknowledges God and we read things come back in his direction. Now, so before we read more, let me just say, after reading this, I most definitely want to choose the easy way <laughs> over the hard way. How many of you are with me? Okay. Now, in James chapter 4, verse 6, it says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't want to put my God in a position where he feels like he needs to oppose me. If there's anybody I don't want opposing me, it's God. So I want to humble myself before him so that he can bless me as opposed to oppose me. Really, really important to go for the easy way rather than the hard way. Because God is for us, for us so much that if we don't turn, he will apply greater pressure so that we don't just keep doing the independent, self-successful, ignore God life. So important. Daniel 4, 36 through 37 reads, At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. There is some great hope there. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right. 
and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Good story? Great story. Want to live it? Absolutely not. I want to go with the easy route that says, okay, take my advice, renounce your sin, humble yourself before God, and begin to live for God and for others and be kind. Okay? I'd rather go with the easier route. I want to conclude that story, which is a true story, with a more modern story, and here it is. It's from a preacher, Brian Chapel. I'd love to be a preacher and be called Pastor Chapel, but anyway. <clears throat> A few years ago, a young pastor fresh out of seminary was asked to visit a dying man in Washington, D.C. An aggressive bone cancer was eating away the man's life. He was not a Christian. On the few occasions when the pastor presented the gospel, there was no spiritual response, but a friendship was formed. Through a number of visits, the pastor learned that this dying patient was a remarkable self-made man. He was raised in Spain by a loving mother who diligently taught her son the truths of faith. He only listened a little, though. Later in life, his experience with church and with sorrows caused him to spurn Christianity. He came from Spain to America knowing no English. He worked hard and studied hard. He eventually went to college, medical school, then began a highly successful medical career. Despite his early disadvantages, he became skilled, wealthy, and a respected leader in our nation's most prestigious hospitals. He also became more convinced of his atheism. Then came the cancer. In just a few months, the cancer destroyed the accomplishments of a lifetime. His body once kept in top shaped by miles of daily swimming, was devastated. His skills also began to deteriorate with the advances of the cancer. With his spirit broken and his body racked with pain, the man ran out of pride and finally, tired of his own answers and despairing, he asked the young pastor, if your God can help give me some peace, help me if you can. The young pastor could hardly begin to think of what to say. He hesitated grasped for the right words, and then stumbled forward. He said, you've gained everything a man could gain in every avenue of life. You have wealth, respect, achievement. These all may have to be put aside before you gain this last thing that you want. In every area of life, you have succeeded except the spiritual area of your life. To succeed there, you must not follow any of the rules you have used before. You cannot conquer the spiritual world by your efforts. To gain spiritual success, you must admit your helplessness and inability. You must confess you have nothing to stand on. To enter God's kingdom and know his peace, you must not come as a self-sufficient man, but as a helpless child. You must not come as a lion. You must come as a lamb. Still, there was no response. Little else was said that night. The man talked no more. A few days later, and there's a longer story, but here's the short version, he had an operation that he did not survive. But a note was discovered. It was written in Spanish in his labored scrawl, the words his mother had taught him, which he had memorized. Written there, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, 
our Lord. It was the words of the Apostles' Creed which his mother taught him to memorize. Then he wrote in English, Jesus, I hate all my sins. I have not served or worshipped you. Father, I know the only way to come into your kingdom is by the precious blood of Jesus. I know you stand at the door and will answer those who knock. I now want to be your lamb. We're going to have the prayer team go to their area to pray with you if you'd like some prayer. I wanted to point you to question number four on the back of your little sheet or on the bottom of your digital outline. I hope that this little question number four will be one you dig into. But I'm hoping that you'll repeat a prayer after me as we conclude today. I will try to make short lines of it so you can repeat it if it sounds like you want to do that. Here's the first line. Please repeat after me. It's not on the screen. Jesus, I hate all my sins. I have not properly served or worshipped you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your kindness to me. Lord Jesus, thank you for making a way for me. I approach God's throne of grace with confidence because of you. I need more grace. I need your help. I ask, seek, and knock. You are my answer. You are my Savior. Amen. Thank you for coming today. If you need prayer today or you prayed that prayer and it was kind of the first time you just want to give your life to Jesus, I would urge you to go to the prayer team and have them pray uh, with you and let them know about that. If you have any other prayer need, like a big heavy one that you just want to pray for, they're there to pray for you. See you next week. Thank you for being there here and happy Mother's Day.